It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live news and views. Here's Michelle. Hey, thank you for being part of news and views and being willing to look a little bit deeper into the stories of the day and how they affect you. Wow, what a story we're going to be sharing today. On the morning of August 8th, FBI agents raided the home of former President Donald Trump. He declared that the raid was unnecessary and that it was prosecutorial misconduct, the weaponization of the justice system, and an attack by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024. Now, what is really behind Mar-a-Lago? There's new developments in the story, and we're getting more of a peak, but I do mean just a peak. There are a lot of questions to be answered. There's the concern about who really committed a crime, or is this criminal actions from a tyrannical government? What are they really looking for? And what does it mean to you? You saw a little bit of a special report by Joshua Phillip, and Joshua is our guest today. He's an award-winning investigative reporter with Epoch Times, host of Epoch TV's Crossroads, and he is our guest, one of the few good ones out there actually doing the job of a reporter. Do we remember what that's like, Joshua? I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Hey, real play. I think you're one of the good ones too, Michelle. (laughs) Here's to the good ones. (laughs) Not afraid to ask the questions and not afraid of the answers. Now, now, I don't know your spiritual background, but on this program, I do like to ask the question, okay, if there's a God, what's he doing in all of this? What does he expect of us? What's the deeper story? And we call it the God story. And Joshua, I think you could agree with me that even biblically, God says, come, let us reason together. Test me, try me, prove me. God's not afraid of some challenge. God's not afraid of asking the hard questions, right? So why are we? And I think that is part of the deeper story in not only what has happened with Mar-a-Lago, but some of the stories that are taking place within the government and within our nation today. Your thoughts? I think there is something divine in truth, actually. And the Bible does talk about this as well, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And also, I think the question of what is truth, and I'd say that's the role of a journalist, in my opinion. I think you and I talked briefly about this a little bit before, that one thing a lot of media do these days is they try to tell people what to think. And in my opinion, and I know you expressed concern about that development too, that's not journalism, that's propaganda, that's manipulating people. Journalism is the simple presentation of truth. And the process of investigation or reporting is to find what the truth is. And these days, of course, there's a lot of untruths out there. I think people, I think, funny enough, I think maybe the people doing that are pushing a little too far because a lot of people see through it now. There's a lot of untruths out there. And I think that for folks like you and I, this creates a lot of work, especially if we need to debunk what's being said, sift through the nonsense, put it all together, and then show people, the, I think, the real information and what, what is really happening. And of course, that also makes us targets for attacks because people don't like when you call them liars. <laughs> but 
it comes with a job these days. Yeah, I think we have gotten to a place where people do not like to apologize, say that they're wrong, or yeah. to readjust. It's like we dig in our heels. And that's disappointing because we have had a lot of stories that have developed over a relatively short time in history, I would say, from the IRS investigating only certain people, the Russian collusion issue, some of the things that came out of the Hillary campaign with emails and bleaching information on cell phones, and even the Hunter Biden issue. A lot of things are out there, and people could say, ah, it's just conspiracy, or conservatives go too far. Yet, when you see something, when you when it sounds like a duck and it walks like a duck, one after a while, as you alluded to, Joshua, pretty soon people are going, something's going on. And I think maybe that's the other side of the picture mm-hmm. with everything we're seeing in the world right now. I know I talk to a lot of people and they're like, oh man, it's so devastating and there's so much craziness going on and things are hopeless. But they don't realize that they feel that way only because they're seeing through it. People feel that way because they're seeing through the nonsense. And that is actually a phenomenon in itself that I think is pretty significant socially, where people are waking up. People are coming to recognize the problems that exist in the world and in our society. They're coming to recognize, as you mentioned, Hunter Biden and Hillary breaking her cell phones with hammers and using bleach bit to wipe her servers clean and the list could go on and on of all the craziness people see through it maybe maybe not everybody but there is i think a very large social awakening that has taken place and that social awakening is funny enough why people oddly i think feel demoralized without recognizing the importance of the reason why they feel that way and the fact that's actually a, a pretty broad again development happening socially Something is happening and people are waking up and waking up to an extent that I think that's creating a new wave where the people who are spinning these lies are having to spin more and more extreme lies and they're getting worse and worse at it, (laughs) frankly. It's almost embarrassing, but I think the latest development that sets the stage for looking deeper into the Mar-a-Lago raid and what's happened since is what we lived through in covid Now that we are a couple of years later, we are getting all of the data, all of the peer-reviewed studies that are showing that these the vaccines actually don't protect you, may have exacerbated the spread. And a lot of the lockdowns were unnecessary. Some of the draconian measures were absolutely ridiculous, and we were lied to. Number two, doctors who said, hey, let's look at this a little deeper. Hey, maybe there's a better answer. We're demonized and deplatformed and canceled. So now we're in this place where the average person, this has affected us. It's not just some famous guy, the president, someone who is far removed. It affected us. I think that's part of that awakening that you talk about. So now let's look at recent developments and an unprecedented move. We have a raid on a president's personal dwelling. This has never happened before. There are processes in place if you're concerned about documents. And we're only hearing part of the story. There were even some new developments this morning, as today there was a key hearing in where a federal judge set in motion the possible public release of 
these very redacted versions of the affidavit. So can you set the stage a bit, Joshua? You've been following and reporting on this. And in fact, your special report really gives great insight. And I'm going to put a link everywhere you're listening to this, friends. Yeah, the way this is turning out very quickly is it, and that's a phenomenon itself, maybe we want to get into, maybe not. But this story has flipped around very quickly, where, of course, the FBI raided Donald Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago. It looked like, hey, they might arrest Trump, and there's nuclear documents, and Trump's going to prison, and he can't run for office again. And that was a rumor all the mainstream media were spreading. Turns out it was a bunch of nonsense. There were no nuclear documents. There was nothing in the warrant around nuclear documents. That was a rumor started by Washington Post. And then, of course, their analysts started going on these sprees of the rumor mill, suggesting that Trump was trying to shop it around to people and sell it. And it was just speculation it's and rumor than, taken as fact. than ladies at a church picnic. Is that what we really want running our media? That kind of gossip? This is serious stuff. Yeah, very quickly this whole thing turned around. And, and you look at this in the perspective, in the context of everything Trump's gone through. Typically every two to three months, or maybe sometimes a bit longer, they have a new scandal and Trump's implicated in it and he's going to go to prison or he's going to get impeached and everyone freaks out. And then it turns out the whole thing was a big sham and then Trump's okay. And then the people who framed it end up getting looking like criminals. It's a bit like it's a bit like watching the way I kind of view Trump and the mainstream news about Trump. It's kind of watching the old Roadrunner cartoon cartoons, <laughs> where you're, like, you're, you're watching the Roadrunner, or so you're watching the Wiley e. Coyote, and he's planting all these elaborate traps. You're like, oh man, he's got the Roadrunner this time, and then the Roadrunner comes out, and of course, makes a fool out of him. That's how all these scandals typically play out. What I found interesting about the, about the Mar-a-Lago raid is that it, it it flipped around very quickly. Within the first few days, it flipped around. And it's done, a, it's done a real serious boomerang now. This could very likely be the Watergate equivalent for the Biden administration. And let me explain how that's playing out. So the FBI, of course, go there and raid Trump. Immediately, Trump says, this is the new, Mar- this is the new Watergate. He points at Biden himself. Biden pretty much throws his arms up in the air and says, I had nothing to do with this. Merrick Garland is then implicated, head of the DOJ. Merrick Garland takes personal responsibility and says he signed off personally. Then Trump goes and he just publicly releases the warrant with the unredacted names of the FBI agents. The warrant shows this was basically a fishing expedition. It was an extremely broad brush. They, it looked like they were just searching for anything. They, it, it didn't really specify what to look for. Among that was classified documents, but as former president of the United States, Trump has very broad declassification authority. And of course, Akash Patel, who was, who is in charge of Trump's National Archives. And he was the uh, former chief of staff. Yeah. And he does a show with us and he was easy for us to get to and talk to. He explained, Cash explained, no, that Trump had been trying to release these Spygate documents Hmm about the scandal with Hillary Clinton and Obama and so on, and how the Democrats framed this whole Trump-Russia narrative. And Trump was in the process of declassifying, making those public. Trump had previously declassified them. The public release is being slowed down and blocked by unelected bureaucrats. Then Then it turns out that the judge who signed off on this warrant was in fact a judge who previously recused himself of a case, of the case involving both Trump and Hillary, meaning that then Trump has a lawsuit specifically about Spygate with that, meaning the guy who recused himself because there's a conflict of interest 
did not recuse himself on something that involves very likely the same information. Why does why is that? And then it turns out that the unredacted names of these FBI agents are individuals allegedly being investigated by John Durham in part of the exact same scandal, the Russiagate scandal. And the, th the thing's breaking at its, its seams, honestly. In addition to that, because they had such a broad brush approach with this to the point where they even they end up taking documents they can't legally take, including things that are under attorney-client privilege, ironically involving that lawsuit that both the judge and possibly the agents who carried out the raid were involved with, which could constitute even interference in, in an actual like legal case, not, and not to mention a violation of Trump's like fundamental Fourth Amendment rights, very likely, meaning this is a constitutional issue in addition to that. But they also took his passports and then admitted by claim by offering them back, by doing so, very likely admitted guilt that they took his passports. And this thing is flipping around really quickly, and it looks really bad, which is why they want the affidavit now, not just the warrant, because the affidavit's going to show if or whether there even is a justification for such a broad brush fishing expedition they just carried out. The president, while he was sitting, Donald Trump, has a pretty broad uh, ability to declassify information. And according to Kash Patel and the former president, he declassified the documents that he had. I wanted to confirm that with you and also ask you, Joshua, if is it unusual for a president to have formerly classified or even classified top secret things in their possession is because that's a, a, a big part of the reporting that this is what's unprecedented that a president is taking home things from the white house like sneaking out all these documents and stealing soap and bathrobes as well it's not unusual at all of course barack obama famously took home i believe like millions of documents was not ever accused of a crime with that. Even Hillary Clinton as the former Secretary of State destroying allegedly evidence around the Benghazi scandal while she's being investigated. James Comey himself, and she wasn't president, she was Secretary of State. James Comey himself, who was in charge of the FBI at the time, came out and did a video saying he's not going to prosecute her. It would be unheard of. You would never do such a thing, especially during an election cycle, which we're in right now. And normally there's also standards around that. The justification around even Obama taking his documents, you have ironically the media trying to defend Obama because Trump called him out and said, hey, didn't Obama do the same thing? And you, why, didn't, why didn't you go raid his home? And they're saying, because Obama went through the legal process and Trump and Cash Patel are both saying, well, so did Trump actually. Yeah. And not only that, but that the president has such very broad abilities to declassify information that essentially, maybe there's a little bit more, but essentially all they have to do is just declare that they're declassifying something and they have to have a witness for it. Trump declassified and Cash Patel says there were witnesses. And Cash Patel, of course, is working there and is in charge of those archives. Not to mention the fact that even after leaving office, the former presidents maintain the office of the former president. And they also maintain security details and also all these top secret clearances and systems to protect things. And so they had everything in place that would make that normally normal and legal for him to do. And even some of the original critics saying you can't take classified information or destroy it or hide it. It doesn't apply to the president. In fact, even the people who initially made that claim is going to stop Trump from running from office. They've admitted that even this, even if it does go to trial, it's not illegal 
And in fact, if it was illegal, you'd have pretty much all former presidents thrown behind bars right now. Remember, and on the note of stealing bathrobes and stuff, remember when Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton did that and they were stealing artwork and those things? Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> did you just make me snort on air? Thank you very much. Oh, my gosh. Hey, hey, Josh- any time. Any time. Yeah. <laughs> Joshua, yeah. the thing that people talk a lot about is having no one is above the law. And of course, we all love that. We sure do. But while we look at equal under the law, we're also seeing that's not happening to the little guy. And in this case, even the big guy, when we're starting to see the government and authorities being used against us and we are powerless, it gives us a new look into a raid like this where they had communication back in June of, okay, you need anything? Come on in, just let me know. But they bypassed that and then just suddenly raid their home. Now, what we should be concerned about is not so much, yeah, no one's above the law, but if they can do that to him, what can they do to us? And that gets into what does this all mean to us? And that's actually, in addition to the this being the new Watergate scandal, and the Republicans probably running with this straight through 2024, to be honest, that's actually hitting on something, I think, even more fundamental. Now, the House Judiciary Committee now, they're claiming that they have 14, 13 or 14, I believe 14, FBI whistleblowers who have stepped forward, and they're allegedly blowing the whistle specifically on what you just said that they're alleging basically there's politicization within the FBI leadership and that basically the systems of justice are being used politically. They're talking not only about it was in the context of the Trump raid, but they're even talking about the Justice Department investigating parents attending these school board meetings as potential terrorists. And even as the FBI rolls out these new standards on domestic terrorism, where they're basically saying that patriotic symbols like the the Betsy Ross flag and the don't tread on me and stuff like that, or the SEAL team Punisher skull, that these are somehow domestic terror symbols. All of that is now being exposed. And really, when it comes to especially this raid, this might have been the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of that, that one step too far. They might have pushed it a little bit too far, and by doing so, very likely, I think the Republicans might even campaign on cleaning up the justice system. And again, the House Judiciary Committee itself is going to start investigating this, including with these whistleblowers who step forward and they might have shot themselves in the foot, so to speak. Joshua, has there truly, and I know you do like to look at this in a balanced way, it's old school. For those of you who may be new to the game and not realize that journalism used to be looking heavily at both sides, weighing things out and reporting, as Joshua mentioned earlier, the truth. I know that's how you go about doing your reports and you've got to go with whatever you find. Have you found anything in this that would indicate some kind of wrongdoing, some dirty dealings from Trump? And the Trump team. It doesn't seem to be the case. There does not seem to be any evidence that Trump did anything illegal. In fact, again, if you want to accuse him of doing something illegal, you'd throw Obama behind bars because what he did was a lot. He did the same thing, but on a much grander scale than what even Trump's being accused of. But we know that he went through the legal processes, as did Trump. And so there's even precedent from that. There's precedent from state public statements by James Comey. It would never hold up. At the very most, you might see if the Justice Department really wants to go this far, you might see them, for example, try to put Trump on trial, but 
at this point, it's looking worse for them than it will on Trump. It will not stop him from running from office in 2024. If anything, it's going to put him in the spotlight again and probably help his campaign, ironically, because people are saying, wow, they're going after Trump. But as soon as Trump's not there, they might come after me. That's where a lot of people are at right now. They don't, they're seeing now that the ability of the justice system to target people politically is not limited to just Trump or public figures. It's going down just to the basic community level at this point. And yeah, I, I think it's PTA big for, the, moms. Big it's for them. It's crazy. Yeah. And I almost think that to a degree, Trump's hopes for another run were dead. I just think there were other people who were starting to shine and people were saying, yeah, and then I hate some of the ways that he speaks or whatever. What People have their own opinions. And I think a lot of people were ready to walk away and then suddenly this happens and he's back in the spotlight again. So it may have backfired just a bit. But it does beg some of the questions concerning the January 6th incident. I know that you've followed that as well. And I'm hoping that you can give us a little insight there because we don't always get the full picture. We see it as this big insurrection and yet turned our back. Dude, I live in Seattle. You want insurrection. They took over a portion of my city just blocks from my studio. And that was a summer of love, according to the mayor of Seattle and to many others in political positions. So that's another area where we saw this discrepancy. I think most Americans, even uh, Trump supporters, many of my friends who were there said, yeah, if someone was breaking in and causing a ruckus, fine, prosecute them, whatever. But why a two-tier system of justice based on politics? That should concern Democrats as well as Republicans, because so quickly the tables can turn. And I think you hit the nail on the head that this could turn around as well. So I, I did another documentary not too long ago called The Real Story of January 6th. In fact, just maybe a couple months ago. We're also, it's about an hour and a half, and we did a real thorough look at January 6th. And we even got a lot of footage probably nobody's seen before, or very few people have seen, including police body cam footage. And really, when you break it down, the story is very different from what people are being told. Very likely the police and the Capitol Police in D.C. Metro very likely violated a whole lot of laws on use of force. Not only that, but the people who did commit the real crimes on January 6th, the ones who were tearing down the barricades and removing the don't trespass, the no trespassing sign and breaking the windows, almost all of those key instigators are either not being charged or faced slap on the wrist charges. Meanwhile, the people who were literally, oh, police opened the doors, waved them in, or even escorted them into the building, some of them are facing 20 years in prison. Now, there are even four individuals who died that day. Many people know of Ashley Babbitt, who was shot by Officer Byrd. Many other people don't know about Roseanne Boylan, who died in one of the tunnels. Police deployed tear gas, sucked the oxygen out. People panicked. They trampled each other. She, she fell. People fell on top of her. Protesters are there, held her hand as she lost consciousness. They were begging the police to save her life. The police began beating her as she, as, after she was unconscious, beating her unconscious body, and people freaked out. And that, that's one of the big scenes, ironically, without the context of what happened to that tunnel entrance, where people are like fighting with the police. They were trying to save this woman's life. Mm -hmm. We actually show that video, and she did die, after, unfortunately. Two other, the other, two other individuals who died that day, no officers died, that was total disinformation, including spread by even judges, ironically. The only two other people who died that day were individuals who had heart attacks or heart complications. 
But we actually have videos showing right before that they were struck by explosive munitions thrown by police, thrown in a way that would violate very likely use of force laws because they were not dispersing the crowd, they were not arresting the crowd, they were instigating the crowd. They were shooting people with tasers randomly, dropping them, not arresting them, walking away. They were randomly pulling pins and lobbing them into the crowd of these explosive munitions that shoot these plastic pellets. Bizarre stuff. And we have the video footage of these people who died of heart complications being struck by those explosive munitions, falling with the blasts, and they're not getting up. They died. It's shocking and under, very underreported. And how this affects you as you're watching, listening, or reading is that if abuse of power can take place on high levels, what does it mean to the average person? In Cold Spring, Texas, even now, there's a seven-year-old girl who was taken by the sheriff's department there in Cold Springs, Texas. The parents were accused of squatting in a house that they were leasing. They were released, but the seven-year-old daughter is nowhere to be found. Only one sheriff, the Sheriff Calhoun, knows where this daughter is, and he's not released the information to anyone. The parents were not given their phone calls. They were detained when they really shouldn't have been. A lot of their rights were violated, and this is a story that's breaking right now. Why is that important? Because when you see abuse of power raiding a president, a former president, Think of how he has so much protection, money, lawyers. What do you and I have when something like this happens? What power do a regular working class couple like the Infantes, and that's the couple who is dealing with this right now, what power do they have? That's a good question, isn't it? You have have the the United States different from really any other country in the world. Other countries have constitutions, but the way the country is set up, the way the American system works, even in, in, even including state sovereignty and even county sovereignty when it comes to the sheriffs, America is set up in a very unique way that we can look at all the other countries that have fallen to socialism. We have protections they don't have. In fact, even during the lockdowns in Australia, people were saying, I have a right to free speech, I have a right to this and that. And, they got a hard wake-up call when they were told, no, you don't, because that's the American Constitution, not yours. And that's the and hope. that was a hard wake-up call for it a is, lot of It is, but them. it's also the hope that we have here as we wake up. We saw the Brittany Griner situation where she's in Russia, and this young woman, this young basketball player who turned her back on the singing of the national anthem and highly critical the United States is now in a country where she's probably realizing, whoa, how good did I have it? That's a wake-up call. And I think a lot of us are starting to wake up. We've had such prosperity. It lulls us into a sense of well-being. And now we are suddenly being jarred. And so in our final minute together, Joshua, I thought that maybe you could address that hope because I know you see it as well. You, you report the heartache, you report the hard stuff, but I think you also bring us a bit of hope. Let's end there. Yeah, you know, that, that what you just raised with this woman who was re- arrested in Russia and sentenced to a pretty long prison sentence for drug possession, that, that goes all the way back to the protests in the 60s where I, I might have been JFK or Reagan, I can't remember which president it was, it was 60s or 70s, a little later, 
where you said those people protesting, if they got the government that they're protesting for, they'd all be arrested. The reason they can protest in the streets is because they do not have the government they're advocating <laughs> for, which is a socialist government. One of the big ironies of this, that I think we are watching this really shock and awe campaign take place. But there's an old Chinese saying when it comes to military strategy, Sun Tzu talked about, when you're weak, appear strong. When you're strong, appear weak. And these shock and awe campaigns are a sign of weakness. There's an awakening taking place among the American people, a very powerful awakening taking place. This is the reason why people feel demoralized. Keep in mind that's only happening because people are waking up. And that's something that's not going away. And that is the hope that we have, that there is a truth and the truth will set us free. Joshua, it has been such a delight. You are so much fun to talk with. I like reading, but I really like talking with you. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for watching. All the links that we talked about will be wherever you're viewing or listening. And I encourage you to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. God bless. More news and views at mymichellelive.com.